0: Hi, it's episode 117. Today, we're talking about finding a balance between work and play in childhood.
1: You are listening to the Simple Families Podcast, a Q&A style show that brings you solutions for living well with family. Here's your host, Danae Barahona.
0: Hi there, it's Danae. Thank you for tuning in. This is the final week of the month and we are wrapping up a conversation about play. Earlier this month, we talked about rowdy play and open-ended play, and today we're talking about the value of work versus play. Today, I have an interview with Jean-Marie Pinel. She's the face and the voice behind Voila Montessori, which is a blog and community focused on teaching parents the benefits of Montessori, but she's also the founder of the Be the Best Parent You Can Be Summit, and that's how I found her. Jean-Marie has interviewed me both last year and this year, and I've learned so much from participating in it and hearing from the other experts. I highly recommend you check it out. I'm going to put the link to it and along with the link to Jean-Marie's website in the show notes. You can find the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 117. But before we dive into today's episode, I want to bring you a quick word from the sponsor. Today's sponsor is Care Of. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packets right to your door. When you go to the care of website, you take a quick and easy five-minute quiz. I actually thought it was pretty fun. The quiz asks questions about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices, and helps to identify areas of need. You get quick feedback and find out what the recommendations are to optimize your health. And then you get your box every month without ever even having to think about it. This monthly subscription box can easily be modified at any time as your health needs and as your personal needs change. There are a lot of wonderful specialty options, such as vegan and vegetarian supplements. And there's also pre- and postnatal supplements for women who are either nursing or pregnant. of is bringing a special offer to the Simple Families audience. If you go to their website, which is takecareof.com and enter promo code FAMILIES, you'll get 25% off your first month. Again, let's go to takecareof.com and enter the promo code families to get 25% off your first month. Back to today's episode. Today, Jean-Marie and I are talking about the difference between work and play. And in childhood, is there really a difference or are these two things one in the same? We often write our kids off as, oh, they're just playing. But the reality is that their play is the work of childhood. What they're doing is very important to them and should be given a certain amount of respect. We're also talking about the rush to teach kids ABCs and 123s and pre-academic work and how that is impacting the ability for our kids to have time to play. So take a listen, and I would love to hear your thoughts. You can go to simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 117 to leave a comment or question in the show notes. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Jean-Marie. How are you?
1: I am good, Danae. Wonderful to have you.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I would love to start off if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: So I am Jean-Marie Penel and I am the owner and founder of Voila Montessori, which is a uh, mentoring uh, service that I created about seven years ago after being in the classroom for many years in a Montessori classroom and realizing how much parents wanted to know more about Montessori and how to incorporate it into their homes and their daily lives. So I am passionate about <clears throat> sharing that with uh, families. And I also am a positive uh, discipline educator. So I p- blend all of that in. And uh, that's what I do. I speak, I you know do workshops and, and do a lot of private uh, mentoring.
0: Okay. So I love Montessori and I don't talk about it all that much on the podcast and on the blog. I did have another Montessori podcaster or a podcast guest a couple of weeks ago, Nicole Kavanaugh, um, but I am always a little bit reserved in talking about Montessori because I think it scares people. Does that, what do you think about that? <laughs>
1: It does. And I think there's just a lot of, you know, maybe misinterpretations of Montessori. You can hear both extremes. You know, it's, it's oh, Montessori, yes, it's that school where children do whatever they want. And, you know, this feeling of total chaos and And then there's the other side that says, oh, yes, Montessori is so strict, they don't let, you know, they don't let children be creative or play or, well, it's neither of those, really. It is really, to me, it is um an understanding of human development and an understanding of you know brain development and how we can guide our children these little humans who are adapting to their world and how we can guide them and it's done in a very uh you know simplistic fashion there is, you know, a sequence of, of lessons maybe in the in the more academic world that we're going to focus on, but always thinking about what are the preliminary activities that we can do so that they will have success in the next one and, and everything builds on it. But it's really about this understanding that children come to us with this intrinsic need to learn and to adapt to their time, place, and culture. And that we all have it within us to want to learn about our surroundings, wanting to to know how to adapt and, and do well. And this is, you know, this is so strong in our young children that we Take their guidance or or we let them lead us as to what it is that they're wanting to learn each and every day, as opposed to imposing our agenda, and you know today you need to learn about the color green when they couldn't care less right <laughs> so we're really it's really about it being child led. But there are limits. It's, it's Montessori, we say that it's freedom within limits. So it's really about having boundaries. But within those boundaries, the child is free to, to do what they need to do to learn.
0: I think freedom within limits is an excellent parenting philosophy as well. And I think maybe that's one of the things that's misunderstood too about Montessori is that it's not just a curriculum, but it's actually a philosophy that can be really beneficial in applying to parenting and child rearing at home.
1: Oh, completely. And that's that's the work that I do really is to, uh, you know, really bring it out of the classroom. I mean, for me, Montessori is... Like I said, it's really an understanding of human development, and so it's. I work with families from, you know, uh, pregnancy. So I, I I always say Montessori is a way of life from conception to, you know, to whenever Uh, the education model is really from birth to 18 years of age. But like you say, it's really a way of life. And it's a way of, of really seeing the child and understanding the child and understanding what their needs are.
0: Yes, I completely agree. And I don't have any formal background in Montessori, but I have done a lot of reading. and My kids went to Montessori school for several years. Um, and I, one of the things that we've really adapted at home, we've adopted a lot of Montessori philosophy at home, but one of the things that we've adopted is that we call play work. And this makes me think of a quote by Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, which is famous and I read all over and it always resonates with me when I hear it, the quote is play is often talked about as if it were were a relief from serious learning but for children play is serious learning play is really the work of childhood and in Montessori the play and everything that the kids do is called work can you explain a little bit about that dynamic and why that word is chosen <sighs>
1: Well for me I mean it's it's chosen to to really bring respect to whatever activity they choose it's really because you know like you say it is really that they, they are adapting they are figuring things out so everything that they do can be perceived, you know, to us as play because it doesn't look so serious or they're, you know, they're making a mess or or whatever. But that is all work because they are figuring uh, they're figuring things out. They're you know figuring physics and, and science and, and sensorial and all of that. So it is the work and it's true that in the classroom we, you know, all of the activities on the shelves and everything are called work. When you see a child, you know, using it, you could definitely think that they're playing, but they are so focused and they are doing some very elaborate uh, brain development work. Um, So...
0: Yeah, it makes me think that if I was at my computer writing a report or writing an article and someone came up to me and said, all right, Danae, we got to go. We're going to the mall right now. And I'd be like, wait a minute, hold on. Like, no, I'm in the middle of my work. Like, I can't just get up and leave right now. I would feel very disrespected if someone did that to me. But we do that to kids all the time. When they're in the middle of their play, we'll just walk up and be like, all right, it's time to go. Put it away. Yes. and i we don't give them that respect that even though it, to us as adults it looks like just play, it it looks just like just like play i hate to say that so right. um, lightly, right. but it looks so unimportant when the reality is this is their life's work at that very moment because kids live in the moment yes and
1: you bring up a very good point and this is something that i really try to you know remind parents and, and anyone who works with children is this idea of respecting their concentration and respecting their flow we you know we talk about how important it is for us to do uh, you know good work we need to be focused and concentrated I know for me I you know I even have a app on my computer that <laughs> that blocks me from any distractions or whatever. And, and and you're right with children, we don't have that same respect, so we are constantly. Um, you know, and especially in, in more traditional um, settings, we are, are you know, have a schedule and every 20 minutes we're going to tell them to change activities and to put things away and, and do that and do this. Whereas in a Montessori environment, we're going to have what we call uninterrupted work cycles. So again, the, the, the word work, but it's really about letting children be in their flow so that they can Choose an activity, they can repeat it as many times as they feel necessary to actually gain the knowledge from it or or master the skill. And then when they feel satisfied, they will put it away, take a risk, go have a conversation, or you know, go have a snack or choose another activity. But we're really respecting that flow of them working at their own pace. And I think this is really, really critical. And especially at home as well is when a child is doing an activity is, is playing is, um, you know, focused on something, please do not interrupt them. Like, Step away, you know, observe it from afar, make sure that they're being safe. I mean, the only time you would want to interrupt is if, you know, they're hurting themselves, somebody else or, or you know, really damaging something. But other than that, really, you know, let them go through that flow because we don't always know what they're learning or what they're focused on. And it's really, really important to let that happen. And when they look up, you will also notice that they have this sense of of being satisfied, like they've, they've gotten something, you know, something clicked in their brain. And there you can you know maybe ask what they were doing or or you know help them clean up or or whatever but really as much as possible to to learn to not interrupt our children when they are playing or or working as we like to call it
0: Yeah, and when we think about it as work, I think it transforms the importance and respect given towards it. And I actually caught myself recently, um, I was folding the laundry and my daughter came up and she like used her arm and swiped all of it off of the back of the sofa. She's two, so she does things like that, which drive me bonkers. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I said to her in a firm voice, I said, That is my work. I said, I need you to help me pick this up because this is my work and I'm really focused right here. And it's just, I caught myself. I was like, Did I just call folding the laundry my work? But it is. And I but think, it is. Yeah. yeah. And it needs to be respected, just like if I'm sitting at my computer doing some work for my job, um, that whatever we're doing and we're focused on is our work. And that I really want that to be respected because I don't expect someone to come up and interrupt me when I'm in the middle of folding the laundry or doing the di- doing the dishes maybe is a little bit different um, because you you can kind of I don't know whichever I mean I think there are certain tasks that we need to we need to do start to finish and to put them away and when something really disruptive happens like you're folding the laundry and someone dumps over the piles you just folded that it's it's frustrating and even if they don't understand the importance of the folded laundry and the need to fold laundry, that we can communicate with them that this is something that I worked hard at and I need you to give it some respect.
1: That, and I might, um, and this is my, my mentoring that comes in and, and I apologize, but at this point I would maybe even invite her to show her maybe how to fold one of the, the smaller piece of, of, Um, you know, laundry that you have. So because sometimes those those acts are also involve me, like, I'm gonna (laughs) mess it up so that you can involve me,
0: if that makes sense. Yeah, or curiosity. Absolutely. Exactly, exactly. So
1: yes, they're testing, you know, their boundaries to see a little bit what your reaction is. But sometimes it's also involve me, show me how to do this as well. So this is, again, you know, a wonderful learning opportunity to show them how they can participate in that work as well.
0: Right. And, you know, as a mom who works from home and has my kids here a lot of the time, I find that I do have a big to do list. And sometimes I rush through things like that. Um but this summer, with uh, interest- my kids are home this summer they 're not doing any camps or anything um I found that I have more when I have more time, I have more patience and yes, like i'm not you know during the school year they had to be at school at nine and they would get up and we would it would be like boom, 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 get dressed, eat your breakfast, pack your lunch, um and do all of these things and i wasn't making the time to involve them in that process, because there were a lot of things to do, and they all needed to be done by a certain time. And it's been really nice this summer to not have those deadlines. And I'm able to really slow down and to involve my kids in the work that I'm doing and to make it their work as well. Um, And it, it, it makes me feel more calm and more relaxed. And I think that reflects on them as well. So, but then there's this idea of all work and no play. And I think that when we talk about play, it's really important to give our kids time to play openly and free and to sort of do whatever it is that they want to do. But how do we balance that with the need to do all this academic stuff that we think young children should do, like ABCs and one, two, threes? So
1: again, I would say follow their lead because again, I think the the more academic things are our own agenda and maybe our fear that they're not going to be able to succeed or or whatever, where you know children are fascinated with everything that surrounds them. So when a child uh, when we are really aware of that and we are really observing, we will be able to see when they are fascinated by the symbols of our written language, for example. And there we follow their lead and we, you know, let them know what the sound of these symbols are and, and so forth. So it happens naturally. It's not our agenda of, you know, I have to teach you, you know, your ABCs by the time you are such and such an age. So I think we need to take a lot of the pressure off of us as the parents that we, you know, have to have our children be at a certain stage at a certain time, every single child is different. Every child on the planet goes through practically the same milestones more or less at the same time uh, more or less in the same sequence and that we just need to accept that they're all different and we we can't be uh comparing them with each other and i think we really need to let go of this you know urge to to stuff their brain with, with, you know, what we think is essential and really follow their lead as to what is essential
0: to them. Right. But it's, it's hard. I mean, I, I know those things at my core, but I still find that there's so much pressure coming down from, Um, from other parents from the school. I actually, this year, my kids are not returning to Montessori school next year. Um, They were at a new school this year since we moved to New York. And I was feeling a lot of pressure for just this, this idea that my kids need to be checking all these boxes. And it just didn't feel good to me, this idea. Right. You know, I'm like, I, I'm sending you to Montessori school so you can develop on your own timeline in your own ways. And then to go into a conference and say that these boxes need to be checked at this. When you're five years old, you need to be able to do this. And when you're four and a half, you need to be able to do this. Um, I think that was disarming to me in the sense that I, that's not that's not what I want for my kids. And I, it just didn't feel like the right fit anymore. And And this was hard.
1: Yeah. And this was in a Montessori school? Yeah,
0: it was. Oh, I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, that that doesn't sound right. (laughs)
0: Well, and you know, I think that one of the differences is when we lived in Dallas, we were at a school that was Montessori all the way through. Well, it was, it went up until 12th grade and there really was this freedom to let kids develop on their own timeline. And here kids go to kindergarten at the public school. There's really wonderful public schools and barely any of the kids stay at the Montessori for kindergarten or through the full cycle of the primary Mm -hmm. year that they usually will go, um, at kindergarten. So there is a lot of pressure to get kids Up to par before they leave to go to kindergarten. So I think that 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 played into it a lot. And that, that what it still wasn't what I wanted because I'm not, I, I, we're thinking about homeschooling. So I'm not thinking, I'm thinking that I don't want to be doing the public school at kindergarten quite yet, anyways. Okay. Um, But yeah, that was, it was surprising to me that I was even getting that at a place where I was hoping would be child led. Um, yes. You know, and that, and that's
1: unfortunate. That's unfortunate. And I would say that that is not a typical or and that's the hard thing with Montessori, too, is is the fact that, you know, it was never copyrighted. So there are different interpretations of what Montessori is. And some people, you know, do like it because of the fact that it is um, it is very, very rich in academics if we, you know, really follow the child. Like, there is a potential for just this immense work, but again, not every child is, is going to do all of the work because they might not, you know, have that interest. And it's true that when they follow, you know, into elementary and and then, you know, later the adolescent program, they have been able all through these different cycles to really go at their own pace. But a school like you're you're describing – who probably has the pressure from the outside, uh, from the outside, you know, schooling of that they need to to produce children that are going to be able to read at a certain age or, you know, understand certain concept at another age. So they're having pressure from the outside as well.
0: Right. And I think that pressure is strong and it's coming in so many different directions. Um, You know, if the kid next door is reading when he's three, you feel like, oh, should my kid be reading when they're three? Um, And even when you know better, you know that three-year-olds aren't really supposed to be reading, they're supposed to be playing. um, It can be hard to set that aside. Yes.
1: Yes. But, you know, I I always try to tell parents to see their child for, for their own gifts. You know, I, when, when, when you have that comparison, like I I do have a little boy down the street who is three, who is reading and he's just this little sponge who, you know, just is, is, doing that. And, and he has, um, he's a single child, he has a mom that is just, you know, 100% devoted to him. And we've, you know, followed his lead and such. But then there might be another child that is three who, you know, is riding a bicycle, and who is running and jumping and everything. So those are just different qualities that we can't we can't have everything, so it's just seeing your child for who they are. I think is is really important, and then kind of letting go of. And I know you do this work in in you know simplicity and, and minimalism and and all of that. Of sometimes you know we are comparing ourselves to others, but it's really important to hone in is what are our family values? What are my values that I want to help my child uh, acquire? You know, is it is is academia the, the most important thing? Is that what's going to make them happy? Probably not. So, you know, to to be able to to look at that to, in a way, you know, help you let go of the pressure from from society.
0: Right. And it's, um, it's sort of us as, a, as parents really being able to trust our gut on what feels right for our kids yes. Yes. and knowing in our heart that we need to give our kids the space and time to develop, Yes, um, which is, is as parents, I think we're always questioning whether we're doing things right or wrong. So it's it's hard sometimes to be able to trust ourselves. Yes,
1: it is. and and you know, this is where a lot of you know reflection, self-reflection. and to me, I really like to encourage families to to keep a little journal of observation of what we're seeing our child do, or we can, you know, in Montessori, we talk a lot about observing in a non-judgmental uh, way because we're wanting to just, see what they're doing for the sake of just what they're doing without judgment of, oh, she's having a hard time, you know, putting on her shoe. It's no, I see that she's putting her right foot in the left foot, you know, in the left shoe. And that's it. You're just observing it and not making uh, judgments or, you know, have preconceived ideas of what they should be doing at that time. And when you learn to observe this way, then you will be able to guide them better because then the next time she tries on to put on her shoes, then maybe you can show her how we tell the difference between the right and the left and that's it, you know, you're, we're there to guide them. So if we can observe them uh, playing and working and seeing where they might have, uh, might need a little nudge or a little help, we can intervene the next time around.
0: Right. So knowing when and where we can provide support appropriately, exactly. where it's not pushing too hard, too fast. exactly. Exactly. So what do you think about this idea that kids will rise to the challenge if they're placed with other kids who are doing things faster and earlier and that sort of thing? Do you think that kids will sort of grow and develop faster if they're around other kids who are doing those things?
1: So I believe that children will, you know, grow at their own pace. But I do what I really, really love in the Montessori classroom at least, is this notion of mixed ages. And this does really, and I have seen it, witnessed it, is the young child who is around an older child who is doing something that they don't yet have the skill to do or they haven't been shown how to do it yet, is really motivated to do whatever the lessons or the activities before uh, need to be done so that they can do that. So, having older children or having children, you know, that are a little bit more advanced does definitely motivate you uh, as opposed to, you know, the traditional classroom where we keep children that have the th- same birth year together. Well, they don't really have the motivation to do things differently or, or, you know, aren't motivated to, to try harder because they, they don't see where, where that's going to lead them. And then the other thing is that I love also in that mixed age uh, classroom is that the older children get to practice the skills that they have learned by teaching the younger children or by, you know, being of assistant to to a younger child who's having a hard time with an activity, they will, you know, out of the goodness of their heart, they will come over and say, would you like me to help you or show you and, and I've witnessed this and it is just beautiful to see how children will help each other and motivate each other.
0: Yes, there's so much to be said about having kids being exposed to both older and younger children. And I think, and I've seen that so much now that I have two children and seeing them interact with each other and it's the ways that they teach each other and slow each other down um, and speed each other up. Sometimes I think my daughter being the second child has learned so much from her brother and he has also learned how to tailor things to her understanding and to her needs as well. And yeah, there's, there, is so much value in that and i that's definitely something that i want to want to keep doing for my kids is keep providing them that environment even if it's just a play environment because i think exactly you know it's, mm-hmm. if it's at the playground like seeing older kids or younger kids and not directing my kids to stay with the kids of their age that i think they really should be able to socialize across a, a wider range
1: and, and you, you will often see, like, if you really let them, they will gravitate towards the people that they feel they will be able to learn from. I mean, children are really always wanting to learn and, 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 and adapt. And, and really, um, so if we really let them you know, lead themselves from that intuition that I think is so pure and so strong in our children, they will gravitate to, towards those people that are going to teach them a new skill or that are going to, you know, show them a new game or something just by, by that instinctual uh, need that they have.
0: Yes. There's actually, my son does karate and there's an older girl in the class. I don't know. She, she looks like she's maybe around seven and he's four and he's been asking to have her over for a play date, um, which I think is really sweet, but I also haven't really given it much, um, thought because I feel like she's older. She probably doesn't want to hang around with a little four-year-old, but I probably should. I mean, who knows? I think that maybe that could be a really valuable friendship for both of them.
1: And, and it might be, and she might be an only child or the youngest or, and, and she would benefit from, you know, being an older sister role for a few hours. So yeah, you, you never know. And and I think it's important to validate those uh, needs in our children when, when, you know, and not, not dictate what we think is right or wrong.
0: Right. Following the lead of our kids, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking today with me, Jean-Marie. This has been really fun.
1: Yes, it has been. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. And I will talk with you soon. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm going to put a link to Jean-Marie's website and her summit, the Be the Best Parent You Can Be Summit, in the show notes at simplefamilies.com forward slash episode 117. If you have questions or comments, please leave those there. I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this show, please take a second to leave a rating or review in iTunes. Your support is greatly appreciated. Have a good one.